enjoy most about Christmas? My family. Family time and a lot of good uh, All the family time, seeing family from out of town. Presents. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of figured that's what you would say. Family and getting together with family. Having all my kids together. I like spending time with my family and decorating things like that. Food. The food. Yes, my kind of man. How happy it makes everybody. The Grinch. We do love family, don't we? And we love the, the kind of time that we're going to get to spend with family, hopefully uh, the rest of the, the holidays. You know, sometimes it's a mix, mixed bag. You, you know that family member who when they enter the room, they bring incredible joy to your life. But you also probably have that family member who when they leave the room, they bring incredible joy into your life. Anybody have that person? All right. So, we've got this challenge of joy. And here's, here's the great news of Christmas. The great news of Christmas is that Jesus has entered our room. Jesus has entered our world. And he has brought us, what, what our passage is going to say today, he's brought us mega joy. 100% guaranteed. You can't count on all your relatives bringing you joy. You can't count on all your work friends, all your friends bringing you joy, but you can 100% guarantee when you let Jesus into your life, you're going to have joy. And that's why we love the Christmas story. Because there's the foundation of the story is this incredible fact that God entered our world and changed everything. Now, there was a survey done a few years ago, and here was the question, who do you relate to best in the Christmas story? And, and you can see a list of, of all the different characters in the Christmas story here. I, I would hope none of us would say we, rel, we relate best to Herod, okay? Can we, can we mark that one off the list? That would not be a good one to say you relate to, okay? I, I doubt many of us think we're on the, the same level of Mary or the angels or certainly not Jesus. So it's sort of fascinating to see that the number one answer of who we relate to was the shepherds. Now, why the shepherds? Here's what I believe. is because we can relate to the shepherd's sinfulness. You, you know, these guys, you know, just like Luke always throws sinful people into the mix, these guys are the most sinful in the story. These are the guys who are easy to relate to because they've got faults and flaws and mistakes and sins just like us. You see, by the time we get to the first century, being a shepherd is not a highly looked at profession. In fact, if you were looking for a, a dirty job for that TV program, shepherds would be that. And because of that, they were ceremonially unclean and not allowed to enter the temple. Their personalities were known to be brash and arrogant. They were um, prone to fight. We would say today they had the language of a sailor and, and they just weren't trusted. This is a fascinating fact of history. They were not allowed to give testimony in a court of law. In fact, the, the Jewish rabbis in the, the Talmud said, no help is to be given to a heathen or a shepherd. So let me tell you this. That's why they're in this story. 
Luke always likes us likes to give us that unexpected person in the story who you don't think belongs. And yet the shepherds shine in the story. Now, now here's our problem though. The problem is we relate to the shepherds simply because there's sinfulness and often we stop there. We're, we're glad that there's these characters who, who really are pretty rough in there because we, it sort of matches us. But please don't just stop and relate to that because if not, here's what we end up doing. <clears throat> it's like many of us say often, you know, what, what is a Christian? Uh, I'm just a sorry sinner saved by what? Grace. Now, that's a nice statement. I understand the meaning behind that statement. But that's not how God looks at you. It's just a sinner saved by grace. He sees you perfect through the eyes of Jesus. I'm embarrassed to say that years ago when I'd preach on the church, here was my favorite definition of the church. A bunch of sinners trying to do better. Well, that might have been my favorite definition, but that's not God's favorite definition. He wants much more to us than for us just to be some sinners ambling, trying to make it, you know, just sort of enduring life. And that's why I want to ask you this morning, not only do you relate to the shepherd's sinfulness, but do you relate to their joyfulness? You see, that's what sticks out to me in the story. These guys encounter this moment of incredible joy and they share the joy. So open your Bible to Luke chapter 8 and let's watch the shepherds. Uh, This is quite a birth announcement here. Today, we love birth announcements. People send out all kinds of cards. Have you noticed how crazy, you know, pregnancies have gone nowadays? How many of you have ever been to a baby reveal party? How many of you went to one of those 20 years ago? They didn't exist, and now they're elaborate, man. The balloon's going to pop. <coughs> the cake's going to open. The dancer's going to come down from the ceiling. I mean, you don't, <coughs> you don't know what's going to happen. I got a scratchy throat this morning. Maybe a little hard. <coughs> How many of you watch... Excuse me, the news story this week of the Border Patrol agent in Arizona. And he was doing a baby reveal. And he was going to shoot his rifle into this and it was going to pop out blue or or pink. It exploded, caught the forest on fire and did $8 million worth of damage. That's quite a baby reveal. But here we have quite a baby reveal and announcement here in Luke chapter 2. And it's made to these dirty shepherds. <clears throat> Look at verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. <clears throat> Something a little different here that I picture from Scripture is... I. I you see, here's these shepherds in the middle of the night. It's, it's pitch black. This story is about going from darkness to light. And, and these angels appear, and it's so bright. <clears throat> but it's not bright around the angels. It's bright around the shepherds. I mean, they are, they are terrified by this bright light and these angels. They, they don't know if these are angels of judgment or angels of good news. And then so look at when they find out the good news, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. There's our word mega. Mega joy for all the people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. So it's not bad news from these angels. They're not bringing judgment. They're bringing good news of salvation. 
And then he says to them in verse 12, today will be a, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Okay, we want you to go search for this baby. How do you know when you found the right baby? It's not the cloths that was traditional of you wrap a baby with many cloths. What was weird, what was unexpected was the babies in a manger, the babies in a feeding trough. And so they take off to Bethlehem to find this in just a moment. Suddenly then in verse 13, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. One angel wasn't enough for this. I mean, you talk about a great baby announcement. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared to the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Look what happens. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they find out about it and they're ready to go. In fact, verse 16 says they hurried off. This is the, the first Christmas rush, okay? They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in that manger, that feeding trough. When they had seen him, they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then look at Mary. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now watch the shepherds again. The shepherds returned glorifying, praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. They arrive on the scene and things are every bit as good as they expected. And so they leave this baby they've seen, they've experienced, and they're they're glorifying him and they're praising him <clears throat> and they're sharing him. So that's our question today. Do, will we be a part of this Christmas in the same sort of joy? Do we relate <clears throat> to their joyfulness? See, listen to this about the shepherds. They go back to the same place, the same job, the same circumstances, but they're not the same people. And the idea of this Christmas break is not... That our circumstances were changed. The idea is that we can leave Christmas this year as different people. Now, why did they leave so different? Because they had experienced the promise. It came true. It was just as good as they had been told it would be. And guys, you you know the joy when you experience a promise. I I think about being a grandparent, okay? I've heard grandparents say my whole life, it's just, it's unbelievable to be a grandparent. It is it's so good. Uh, you know, I can't describe to you how much joy I get out of my grandchildren. And I thought, you know, okay, cool. That's nice. Until I became a grandparent. And it, were tr- it was true. It really is that joyful. It really is that good. It really is that crazy. I mean, you get to play with them and spoil them and do whatever you want to do. And then the parents have to do the hard work. In fact, I, I love the old saying is that the grandchildren are God's blessing to parents for not killing their children. Right? And, and so, you know, I've, I've experienced the promise of that silly line like, this is so awesome. And these shepherds, they get to experience the promise 
have seen the Messiah in the flesh. So, why are they so joyful? Why is it these guys, of all the people on the earth, who received the joy? Write these notes down. Here's the reason I think God used them. Number one, they had humble hearts. You see, one of the themes of the Gospel of Luke we found out over the last year is God cannot use proud people. God does not work in proud people's lives, not because God doesn't want to work in their life, but because a proud heart doesn't make room for God to work in their life. God can work in the humble. God can work in the lives of people who know they're messed up. Because those are the people that will listen. (coughs) And so, first of all, it's a humility that allows you to receive Jesus. If you don't know you're lost, then you don't know you need him. Then second, they've got searching hearts. These guys are willing to leave their 24-7 job and seek after this baby. And can, can you imagine the search in Bethlehem? How many barns, how many mangers, how many troughs they went to before they found the baby? And they're willing to seek. They want to see this promised baby. Now, let's do a contrast here for a second. Let's do a contrast with the religious leaders in Jerusalem. The Magi come through Jerusalem and they ask Herod where this baby is to be born because they know they've got to find the baby too. And Herod consults his theologians and they say it's obvious Bethlehem is the prophecy. Everybody knew this was supposed to happen in Bethlehem. And so they find out and the Magi go on But the highfalutin theologians never take the time to go find the baby. They missed out on the birth of God, though they might be the most knowledgeable of all, because they were not willing to search. And listen to me. If you want the joy that only Jesus can bring your life today, you're going to have to search. But here's the promise. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and it shall be given to you. Are you willing to search this Christmas in the middle of all the craziness to actually see Jesus? And then number three, they had believing hearts. They accepted. Seeing Jesus was believing. And so their lives are changed in this moment as they see Jesus just as the prophet had promised. He's the Messiah. He's the long-awaited Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the one that will save us from our sins, and he's the Lord. He's the one that will become the master of our lives and make sense out of it. They believe it. And then number four, they have worshiping hearts. They have a response. You know, I I love this. These these dirty job shepherds are the ones who break out in worship. And listen to me for a second. Grab me a tissue. Um, Worship, here's my favorite definition of worship. Worship is the response of all that I am to all that he is. That's what worship is. Worship is when you encounter God. See, you can't manufacture worship. You can't coerce worship. It's when you encounter God to a point you have got to worship. Where your your body, your soul, everything about you just responds to this encounter with Jesus. 
And that's exactly what happens with these shepherds. They have worshiping hearts. And I don't think anybody had to tell them to be expressive. They couldn't help it. And then finally here, they have sharing hearts. <clears throat> Here's what's crazy to me about this whole story. The shepherds couldn't testify in a court of law. But God calls them to be the first to testify of the birth of his son. That's crazy. The word here for good news is the word that we get evangelists from. What, what is an evangelist? It's a great definition. Evangelist is not a bully. Evangelist is not rude. Evangelist is simply someone who shares good news. We need more evangelists today. And the key for us to be evangelists is for us to see God. For us to experience God. So that, so that we got something, we've got good news to share. <clears throat> Guys, what holds us back, I'm afraid, to not be like the shepherds and want to share this with everybody is, is we hadn't been convinced how good this thing is. You know, we, we, we grow up guilt-ridden, you know, and thinking that that's the message of God is you just stay guilty all the time because all the bad things you've done. And so, you know, when you're trying to invite someone to participate in this, it's like, you know, uh, you know, we really feel guilty. We'd love you to come join us. Uh, we're going to heaven, but we're going to be miserable between now and then. It's almost like an invitation to come be miserable with us. It's a really great church. Because this is so good. Once they've experienced the good news, it's a God who loves you so much that he became a baby in a feeding trough to somehow interrupt your life. You can't help but share it. So let's get practical here for a few minutes. How do we enjoy life? How do we enjoy these holidays? What do we learn from these shepherds? Here, here, here's the point I want to make. Lasting joy is based on receiving and believing the good news of Jesus coming. Because, guys, so often I base my joy on my circumstances. I base my joy on other people. And like we said, some people come in the room and give you joy. Some people come in the room and suck the joy out of you. But here's the promise. When Jesus comes into your life, he brings you eternal joy. This not based on circumstances, not based on your health, not based on what's going on around you, not even based on some of your inner emotions that may be torturing you, but based on the fact that he is your savior. He saved you. Now, now in order for you to experience that kind of joy, you've got to know he saved you. Here's the way to illustrate it. Let's say I'm in a bank line. I'm in a bank and it's really crowded. And I, I'm waiting to get up to the teller and all of a sudden you bust in the doors and you come and you rip me out of the line and you take me outside and you rip my shirt, you know. And, and I'm like, what are you doing? And you say, I'm trying to save you from the bank. And I go, I don't need to be saved by the bank. From the bank, I've got a deposit. Now I, I've lost my place in line. But how about the same scene happened and you, you rip me out of line and you bring me outside. And I knew and you knew the bank was full of terrorists who were wanting to kill us. I don't care about my shirt being ripped. I don't care that you ripped me out of line. I don't care I lost my place in line. I'm just thankful to be saved. 
And so for us, guys, if you realize the line that you were in and the danger you were in as a sinner, just like these shepherds, and you've experienced the salvation that only Jesus can bring, it may have been a little painful at times. He may have jerked you out of your place in life, but it brings great joy. So that's the difference. So my challenge to you today is to not only relate to the shepherd's sinfulness, but to relate to their joy. And here's the crazy thing, is those those two things go together. If you realize how sinful you are, and you recognize how good God is, that's what brings joy. Lasting joy. You know, this week, early in the week, I I said something to somebody I just should not have said. I blew it. It It was just unkind. It was rude. It was just... The absolute wrong thing to say to someone I loved. And I sort of entered this this week full of a little guilt about it. Well, a lot of guilt about it. But then I started thinking about this good news. I thought, you know, you blew it. You apologize about it. You are a sinner. You're a fallen man. You live in the flesh. But you also know the good news. That God has forgiven that sin. It's not God's idea for you to spend the rest of your life, week, sulking in this sin. It just just changed my week. And I'm saying to you guys, if you can embrace the good news for you, it will change. Not just your week, it will change your life. If the foundation of your life is not your behavior or other people's behavior, but God's grace... You can be joyful at all times. That God has entered into your life. He's in your life. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So that brings me to a hymn we're about to sing. I love this hymn, but I don't know if you've noticed the odd wording. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Anybody ever notice that? What would we say? The Lord is what? The Lord has come. This looks like really, really bad English. But it is, it's good 17th century English. And it actually has a meaning behind it. If you say the Lord has come, the emphasis is on the action, a particular action, that he came. And that's good. That's pretty cool to know Jesus came. And Christmas is a 2,000 years ago story that applied to all those guys. But to use the language like this, the Lord is come, puts the emphasis on not just that he came, but he is here. He didn't just come through the Holy Spirit, he has stayed. And so because of that, my friends, we can experience the same Savior, the same joy that the shepherds experienced. So... Joy to the world. Joy to you. Joy to me. The Lord, he didn't just come and leave. He is come. Yes, you're a sinner. And you can relate to the shepherds on that. But you're so much more than a sinner. You've been blessed with the grace of God. You've encountered and seen Jesus. He's in you. Celebrate it. Let's stand together and sing this song. And let's celebrate the fact that Jesus is come.
Thank you for people that keep feeding me more cough drops. I appreciate that very much. Man, what joy. Uh, let's talk, just, let's get really, really practical about the next nine days, okay? We got nine days till Christmas. Let me give you some practical advice about how you can enjoy your Christmas more. First of all, list how Jesus coming is good news to you. And we're going to take some time to do that in just a few moments. But just, just make a list of why this is good news to you. Now, here's the challenging one. Make a decision, no complaining this Christmas. Say that one with me. No Say it like you're going to do it. No complaining this Christmas. Can you imagine how that one simple action could change Christmas? Now, you got to remember this. When you walk out of here and you go to the restaurant and it's crowded or you get in line or the traffic's bad out on Taylor Road. It's a mess, isn't it? I just complained. No more. (laughs) No more complaining. This is going to be a real challenge. Nine days of no complaining. Man, that, that, could, that could do something great. To list how Jesus comes, he's good news to you. No complaining this Christmas. And last thing, re-gift joy to someone unexpected. You, know, you be the person who walks in the room and brings joy. Now, you might, be the, you might not be the person who walks in the, the, the room and brings gloom. You might be sort of neutral. Well, he's here. Don't be neutral personality. You walk in the room with those relatives, whether you like them or not, with those friends, those workmates, and you go in there and you bring the one to bring joy. And here's the challenge. Do it for someone unexpected. And we all have a gift list of people that we're expected to give to. That's nice. But the real joy is when you give to someone who's not expecting the gift, not expecting the joy. So enjoy this Christmas. Hope you'll take those challenges. I I love uh, a famous preacher's definition of Christmas. William Willimon. Christmas is the delightful disruption of the way things normally go. Oh, I love that. It's a disruption. As we take these days, we swap our schedules, we change church services because we want somehow this amazing, crazy story of Jesus entering the world to disrupt your life. But, but listen, here's our theme today. It's not just a disruption. It's a delightful disruption. If you really get the meaning, it will bring you the same joy the shepherds had. It's delightful. Not all about you. I tend to like my routine. I don't tend to like disruptions. I like having my day planned. I like, I like what I do every day, to be honest. And so some days it, sometimes it makes the Christ, Christmas season and holidays difficult because you ever get in the middle of the thing, I'm ready to go back to work. You know what though? We all need this delightful disruption. And if we'll do the things we've talked about today, it will not just be a disruption, it will actually be delightful. And if today would be the day that you receive Jesus as your Savior, if you would humble yourself, I don't know if you come here today and maybe you're a believer or you used to be a believer or you're just thinking about maybe this might, I would challenge you, search this out. Is there truth behind this? Is this crazy good news really true? And if you can search at the point that you believe it and you can accept it and you can worship him and you can share him, oh, your life would be different. 
So if there's anybody here today that you're ready to receive Jesus as your Savior, you want to meet him in his death, burial, and resurrection this morning, be baptized and begin a new life. Where even when you've messed up bad, you still have good news in your life. Then do that today. If you've received it, but, but you're not living from day to day like you believe it. I mean, you know, you're as miserable as the people beside you. Despite the fact that you've got Jesus Christ. I mean, you're, you're encountering the sickness and the death and the, the disappointment and the issues and relationship problems. You're encountering everything everybody else has encountered. Okay? Life, life doesn't change because you're a Christian that way. But... You could encounter it differently if you believe beneath that is the good news that Jesus didn't just come. He is here. He's going to make, he's going to help you make it through it. And one day he will make everything right. Then we can truly have joy. One more quotation. Corey Ten Boom was that, that Dutch girl who saved so many Jewish people during World War II actually was locked in a concentration camp herself, but she said a lot of really powerful things. She said this, if Jesus were born 1,000 times in Bethlehem and not in me, I would still be lost. So it's not a bad thing this morning if you feel like you're lost. That sounds like a really spiritual word. That just means you, you know you're messed up. You know things aren't working right. You, you know, you're, you're, here's, here's what loss literally means. You're in the wrong place. That's not bad. But don't stop there. Allow Jesus to be born in your life today. Let this Christmas be the Christmas that's different than any Christmas you've ever had. That gives birth to Jesus. And the difference is as small And yet as life-changing is the difference between the Lord has come, nice history, and the Lord is come. He's here. He's in you. He's bringing you joy. And so today, as we sing together, if you want to meet on this beautiful front row where so many awesome things happen every Sunday, If you need the prayers of church, because this Christmas is not too easy. Or if you've searched this thing out and you're ready to receive Jesus as your Savior, why don't you come right now while we stand together and sing.